Do good deeds need to outweigh bad deeds to get to heaven? Real life starts now. Welcome to Real Life with Evangelist Ann and Kathleen Lay, where people with real problems find answers in a real God. Welcome to Real Life. I'm your host, Kathleen Lay, and joining me is my husband, Evangelist Ann Lay. Later in the show, you'll hear from Muhammad Faridi who was taught that his good deeds had to outweigh his bad deeds in order for him to even have a chance to go to heaven according to his Islamic faith. Mm. And I think there are a lot of faiths that believe if you're a good person, you do good works, that you will go to heaven. And I know for me growing up, it was just in me to think, well, I'm a pretty good person. And I'm sure that if there's a God, he would accept me because Mm. I do good things. And as I got older and I had time to think about it, I'm like, wait a minute, how good do I have to be? Because I've already Mm. blown it so bad. I did a lot of bad things. I mean, compared to her, I'm not that bad. But I started to think there was some kind of a grading scale, like a curve. Mm. You know, it's very easy to find ourselves in that situation where if we look at ourselves and we somehow can be deceived into thinking that doing good deeds will somehow erase our bad deeds, Mm -hmm. or that if we do more good things, it'll somehow mean that the bad things or the sin that we've done really means nothing and can just be easily forgiven. But that's not true because, I mean, think about it, just according to even human law here, just because you drive really well for many days Mm -hmm. and then suddenly one day you're speeding and you get caught, you're going to get a speeding ticket. And mm-hmm. if you say, hey, listen, I drive good all the time. Look at my record officer. He was like, well, I caught you speeding, you know, 30 miles above the speed limit. You're going to get the ticket yeah. because it's not about being a good driver or a good person. It's about the fact that you broke the law. Right. God has a set of laws and we have all broken them according to the Bible. Right. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so there is a problem here, which is our good deeds do not cover up our bad deeds. Mm -hmm. What actually takes care of our bad deeds? Do we just hope that something will be taken care of? That's a bad situation. We want to get that taken care of. And now Jesus Christ came to this earth, died on the cross so that he could take care of our sins. The Bible says he died on the cross for our sins. Mm -hmm. And later on in that verse, it says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That means he came to redeem us from ourselves, from the punishment of our sin. Mm. Praise God that we can know him and be assured we're going to heaven Mm -hmm. by receiving him. And God is not grading on a curve. You know, we do need forgiveness because we blow it. We need forgiveness for our biggest sins we do and for the littlest. Just know that you're in good company. We've all messed up and we have an advocate through Jesus. Let's hear from Muhammad after the break. Real life is made possible by people like you. We'd like to take this opportunity to sincerely thank you for your generous support. We couldn't do it without you. May God bless. Welcome back to Real Life. I'm your host, Kathleen Light, and joining me is my husband, Evangelist Don Lay. Hello, everyone. And joining us is Mohammed Faridi. He was a devout Muslim who was a jihadi and ended up becoming a devout Christian. We're going to find out about that right now. Mohammed, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. So tell me a little bit about the things that you grew up with. I know that you wanted to fulfill the Sharia and you needed to learn Arabic. Tell me about the pressure you were in as a child. Well, I was born into a devout Muslim family in the city of Tehran. And even though most people think all Muslims speak Arabic, 
they don't. Only 13% of the Muslim world speaks Arabic. But as a Muslim, in order to speak to your God in the time of prayer, the only language he understands is Arabic. Mm. Mm. So I had, as a Farsi-speaking or a Persian-speaking Muslim, to learn another language to speak to my God or why prayer would not be heard. So I was mandated. It wasn't a choice from the beginning. I had no choice to become a Muslim or I had no choice in all of this. My mom mandated me to learn Arabic and do the rituals of Islam. Mm. Now, I understand that there were some pretty strong rituals that you had to learn how to do praying five times and, of course, washing yourself. Tell me a little bit about that and what really made a good Muslim. So a good Muslim is a Muslim that surrenders and submits to Islam. I remember I was a child, five, six years old, and I was praying to Allah in Arabic. And you memorize a prayer in Arabic and then you recite that. Mm. You are not actually praying. You're just reciting. And Mm. I didn't understand what I was saying. It's a different language. You just like a parrot, memorize some chapters of the Quran and then you recite it. I went to my mom and I said, Mom, I don't understand what am I saying. Can I speak to the God of Islam in Farsi? Doesn't he understand our mother tongue? And my mom said, a good Muslim surrenders, a good Muslim submits. A good Muslim does not ask questions. And if you keep asking questions, such as the question you're asking, Allah will be upset with you. He will torment you. He will torture you. Mm. And you will end up in hell. So I was afraid. As a child, I was Uh frightened. I didn't want to go to hell. So I took my brain out and blindly surrendered to Islam. Wow. Now, I understand that there are certain measures that Allah has that you were working for, considered good works, and there's a scale. Tell me about that. Well, Islam is the religion of works. You perform. If you perform well enough, Allah will like you. If you don't, He hates you. And at the day of judgment, according to Islamic doctrine, he holds a scale. The good deeds go on the right side of the scale, the bad deeds on the left. Mm. And if, and only if, the good deeds outweigh the bad deeds, Allah may allow you inside paradise. I remember reading about that. Yeah. And another dilemma I had that because I studied the Quran, in the Quran, there is a verse that all Muslim, righteous, non-righteous, all Muslim will end up in hell first. And then from hell, he will pick some out to enter paradise. So there is no escape and there is no guarantee or assurance of eternal life. But if you become a martyr for Islam, if you die in jihad, according to chapter 8 of the Quran, 9 of the Quran, you have to slay and slain on the way of Allah. You kill or you are killed on the path of Allah or in jihad. Mm -hmm. And that's the only way that Muhammad, the prophet of Islam, or the doctrine of Islam guarantees eternal life. Wow. So at that point, you're pretty much wanting to die in a sense for this cause because you guarantee yourself heaven. Otherwise, you're living on eggshells wondering, will this God let me into paradise? Sure is like that. The fear of the tomb, the fear of the cemetery after your death. And there's a lot of doctrine in Islam that talks about that fear of tomb, what's going to happen to you. And that's a very scary place to be, not knowing what's going to happen. So I wanted to do anything it takes to avoid that part of the judgment of Allah on me. Mm -hmm. So I decided to fulfill what real Islam wants from me. Wow. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to know, too, what is a thought of someone who is as devout as you about other religions or Christians? What is the thought out there about that? Well, when I was in Iran just a few years ago, and when we thought about America, 
America is a great Satan because all the immoralities of the world comes out of Hollywood, produced mm. by the Americans, which we know them as the Christians. Mm. So the Christians are weakening the belief and the religion of Muslims in Islamic countries. And all this immorality that comes out of Hollywood, we credit the Christians for them. And we say, these Christians are doing all this, producing mm. all those immoral movies and pornographies and all that, mm. just to weaken the hearts and the faith of the Muslims. Mm, so they felt like it was a personal vendetta toward them from the Christians. That's right. Wow. That's a belief of all Muslims in the Middle East, as far as I know. Oh, wow. Now, you wanted to die for your faith, and you were ready to do that. So you had to go through some beating of your own. Tell me a little bit about that. So I knew I have sinned as a Muslim. I knew I was sinning. But what was the way out? And how could you sanctify yourself from the sins? And so the ritual of Shia Muslim is to beat yourself and self-punish yourself, Mm. to shed your own blood. So we would get together in a room. They would dim the lights and we mourn for the death of our imams, the son-in-law of the prophet and his grandchildren. They have died in various wars and we mourn for that. It's just like they died five minutes ago. Mm. So we ritually mourn and the leader or the imam provokes the crowd to weep and mourn and cry and then beat themselves. So I beat myself on my chest with chains on my back and with a sword on my head. Mm. That's how much I try to show how sorry and how bad the sin is in my life to get rid of it. But the more I beat myself and cut myself and shed my own blood, my burden got heavier and heavier. And the more I tried to get rid of it, it was just getting worse and worse and depression was taking over. Wow. Wow. You know, you wanted to be a better person and do great things as far as becoming a martyr for your faith. And you ended up joining a revolutionary. And we're going to talk about that on our next show, how you were a jihadi and what happened during that time in your life. And we're going to pray for those who are right now just thinking about the other religion in this world and what they're going through. Maybe there's someone listening who thinks they have to work to be a good person to come to know God. And we're going to find out in the next show what happened to you and how Jesus completely set you free from that works mentality. Thank you so much for being with us, Muhammad. My pleasure. You know, it's interesting, this thought pattern that came with his faith before And how, you know, he knew he had a sin problem and he didn't know what to do with it. And you see this picture of him and many others beating themselves, trying to show, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. What can I do with my filthiness of sin? You Mm -hmm. know, and I think so many people who are not even Muslims can feel the same way. They can feel like, I know I've sinned. I know I've done wrong. What do I do with that sin? What do I do with that part of my life? And what I love about it is Jesus says that I'll put your sin as far as east as is west. I will remember it no more. And when we come to Christ, he will truly forgive us. So Lord Jesus, anyone who's listening and saying, I've been working my whole life and I try to shame myself, but I can't get rid of the shame and the guilt. Mm-hmm. Lord Jesus, I just pray for your forgiveness right now. Mm-hmm. Jesus, we take a moment to receive and believe and know about the forgiveness that you offer at the cross. Mm -hmm. We humbly come to you. We ask you for that forgiveness. We thank you, Lord, that you're not weighing out our deeds, but that, you know, the scale is already tilted, that it's already bad, that we deserve hell. But because of you, we get heaven. You paid the price for us. Mm -hmm. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. 
All who call in the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. Just call out to Him. It's not about works. Thank you so much for tuning in. You're listening to Real Life.